What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. It's college style on a Monday along with Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for the download. Aaron, uh, quite the deliberations in the Baseball America Top 25 rankings meeting today. One week... I think our goal is that we'd like to just have the podcast, the college podcast, just be our meeting, uh, an example of the top 25 rankings and how the caucus goes and how it gets done, uh, how the sausage gets made. Uh, honestly, we need, to, we need to pick a better week than this week because yeah. this week I think it would be more fun when it's a chalk week, more fun for us anyway. <laughs> Maybe it would be more fun for you guys to hear the R-rated poll when uh, we're cursing at the uh, teams and coaches and players for not doing this or for doing that and making us look smarter, making us look bad. But Aaron, this week, a very convoluted top 25 and just another week of the top 25 poll revealing the parity in the sport and how there's really not that great of a difference uh, between some of the top teams and some of what we thought were some of the top teams, some of the teams that aren't top teams. And also, uh, also to me, it seems like there's quite a definition of Here's the top 12 or 13, and here's the rest of the country. That's it, exactly. I mean, if, I think the teams at the top have been pretty steady this year. Um, and there have been a few teams that have dropped out of that top group. Uh, Texas A&M comes to mind as a team right. that started the year at number one and is no longer ranked at all. Um, but for the most part, you know, I think that there's a group of teams at the top who have been very consistent and have kind of separated themselves from a very, very large pack. Um, it's think, a very large pack. I think that's a key point. From like 15 to 50, maybe 60. Probably 60, it's, yeah. it's really tough. And what that means to me, Aaron, is, boy, it's going to be a tough selection Monday for the committee. What's going to separate some of those teams that are, uh, you know, so you have 30 at-large bids and you have 34, I mean, 30, uh, 30 automatic bids, 34 at-large bids. Boy, right. those last four at-large bids or six, those are going to be uh, really, really tough to decide. It's going to be very tricky, and, and you know, you, you got to get quality wins. you got to get quality series wins. For me, that's the key. And now, you know, I don't know if the committee looks at it quite the same way. There were some teams last year that got in. They were head-scratchers, didn't have any quality series wins as far as I'm concerned. But, right. Um, and see, I'm with you. This, this is a good point to digress on, though, Aaron, but 
Because I think the RPI treats good wins and bad losses the same. For me, I'm actually more impressed by good wins because that is what a team can be at its best. Yeah. I think in the game of baseball, everybody has a bad loss. Say the Dominican Republic against the Netherlands. You know, that's a bad loss. Or any major league team this year losing to the Nationals. That's a bad loss. Right. But that's going to happen. That's baseball. But I want to see a team's at its best and what it can do against another team, a good team at its best. That matters more to me. And I do think that that's where the RPI is a little flawed and that bad losses cancel out in a lot of ways uh, good wins. A g- bad, awful teams in a conference can cancel out a dominant team sometimes in a conference. I, mean, I think that's where the numbers get a little skewed. And I think you're right. That when it, and that's how, you, that's how what we, I guess, uh, I think it's fair to say, that's kind of how we are trying to separate out some of this, this great middle. Some of it's momentum, but some of it's the better wins for this great middle. Yeah, and, and you know, the numbers for me, and it's like this with the RPI, and it's like this with the ISR, whatever measure you want to use. <clears throat> right. I think they, Massey over, ratings, they yeah. overvalue winning percentage of your opponents when that doesn't tell all the story. If you're beating up on a 28-5 and five team that hasn't beaten anybody, right? I mean, to me, you know, I, I want to see the teams in the Big 12 that are that are beating the other really good teams in the Big 12. Correct. To me, that means that, that's worth a lot more than... than Building up a gaudy record against teams that aren't as good. And say Virginia beating Bucknell a lot. What Virginia going one one and one at Georgia Tech made more of a dent on us this weekend just to pull a team out of the hat than pretty much anything they did in non-conference. Absolutely. Not fair to say. They, they, what they did in non-conference was basically irrelevant because they didn't play anybody. Um, and that's not to say that we were terribly impressed by what they did this weekend. They moved up a few spots mostly because there was, there was no other choice. There was a vacuum, but. Um, but but I agree with you that it was a more impressive weekend than any of their undefeated non-conference weekends. Or just take New Mexico State. I mean, New Mexico State that uh, beat a lot of nobodies uh, this year. Their best series win basically is at home against San Francisco and at home against Sacramento State. But this weekend they had their first big test. They still play a game today against Fresno State. They went at Fresno State, the defending national champions, and they've lost two out of three so far. And when New Mexico State had gone to Fresno and won, and hey, they've lost two one-run games. Uh, it actually makes me think, hey, New Mexico State's a little bit more interesting to look at. If they win that game today and they split that series, they're going to be a lot more on our radar. But, boy, it's, it's really hard to overcome that they've played nobody uh, look. So we actually also are hoping to do a podcast where we just do like a mid-major podcast. But this week's top 25 is too interesting, Aaron. We do have a new number one. And we actually had some deliberations there, LSU versus Rice. Uh, what made us choose LSU? Mostly, you know, everyone's favorite phrase, pole mechanics. That's right, that's right. Uh, LSU was, was already ahead and, and went 3-1 and one on the week and won a road series at Alabama, which for me is a very comparable team to East Carolina. Yep. Um, you know, I just didn't see, as, as much as we've been impressed with Bryce and as much as it's a great win to go on the road and win 2 out of 3 at, at the number 15 team, East Carolina, without your ace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as impressive as Rice's 8-2 and two top 25 mark is, um, it wasn't enough to jump them over LSU after a three and one week. When I mean, hey, LSU's beaten some darn good teams this year. They they had one hiccup all season against against, against Illinois. Illinois. That's Illinois. it. But I mean, they went to Georgia last weekend and won a series, and they haven't lost any other series. I mean, that is their LSU's only hiccup. Very consistent. I think that's the big key. LSU has one hiccup this year, and it's you know, uh, if you're gonna have a hiccup, have it early, have it in non-conference. When the chips have been down in conference play, they're playing in the SEC. And they're winning every weekend. Yep. And that includes a road series win at a top 10 team. 
I think the bigger thing between those two teams is that East Carolina got a little exposed this weekend, Aaron, uh, as in my, as it would have appears to be as a team that bludgeons mediocre college pitching, beat those some good arms at them, and they're going to struggle, and they struggled this week. That's right. I mean, and, and I think, you know, certainly Patrick Johnson exposed them on Tuesday, and it just seemed to stifle their momentum a little bit. They, they slip up again uh, Wednesday against Wilmington, and then, I mean, hey, Rice didn't even have their best guns going this week. They did, they did have Mike Ogilva back on Sunday, which is a pretty big development. And boy, and he pitched really he pitched fantastic. Standing. I mean, he's been he's been really good this year when he's when he's pitched. Um, you know, he's been just as good really as Ryan Berry. I mean, he's he's a true strikeout pitcher, really good stuff. And I mean, hey, he shut down that East Carolina lineup. And um, you know, the the two games, and I think this is this is something that the reason we hit East Carolina a little bit this week. Yeah. Their four losses, they didn't score many runs. Right. I mean, that's, and that, for this to be the, that this to be an offensive team, that's the strength of their club. It's not pitching. Everyone knows that. It's telling that they it's really. It's telling don't. that they, they run against some good teams and, and they just get shut down. I think the other thing here, Aaron, is we called it in the preseason Conference USA. Rice and everybody else. It is amazing. Conference USA, before all the conferences got shuffled, this was a great baseball conference. But we take Hurricane Katrina. The reshuffling of their league that brings in Rice, which is just dominating everybody else. Uh, and then just a little natural downturn on what happened with the programs at Houston, which just isn't as good as it used to be. And then I got a program like Central Florida, which you know was competitive in its previous league, but it's really not been up to the level of Conference USA and rebuilding. This league is just not a good – it's supposed to be a really good baseball league, and their identity was going to be tied to baseball in a lot of ways. And instead, it's a bad baseball league. It's almost, it's not quite like their basketball conference where it was Memphis and everybody else. It's, it's too close to that for Conference USA's comfort because outside East Carolina and Southern Miss, it doesn't look like they're not, they have another team that's got a shot at regionals. It's a three bid league, and that's, that's disappointing for the quality of, 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 of the name programs in this league. Yeah, Tulane should be better than this. Houston, uh, Houston should be better than this. And Memphis made regionals a couple of years ago. Nothing against Coach Sean Rock. They really didn't deserve to make it that year. No, they didn't. It was a bad pick. Central Florida should be better than this. You know, UAB and Marshall are better than they really kind of should be when you consider UAB has terrible facilities. But I, Brian Shoup, if the league stays weak like this, don't be shocked if Brian Shoup gets UAB closer to the top I'm of this league. And, it's, and I feel the same way about Jeff Wagner up at Marshall. I, yeah, he's, he's very sharp. That, 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 that's a future star. He's going to be a coach. He's, He's got a, a good, lot with nothing there. He's going to be a good coach in a major league conference in the next decade somewhere uh, yeah. if, if things uh, continue on this track. Baseball America College podcast. John and Aaron get fired up about ridiculous things. I, I love it. I love the college podcast. Uh, Aaron, you see Irvine as number three. I don't think we ever thought that we'd see that this year, even though we ranked them pretty high. Yeah, how, we, about, how about Irvine? I mean, certainly. Hey, you know, I heard Mike Gillespie as a guest the other day on a, on a uh, Masson broadcast. Is that right? They're just talking to him. I wish I remember who it was in relation to. It was someone he coached at Southern Cal, I believe. And they're just on the phone during a major league game with Mike Gillespie. I mean, I'm sitting down and watching that. Certainly that's a great guest, John. Mike Gillespie is, if you haven't figured out, is a fave around these parts. But I'll tell you. He's got Irvine playing great baseball. He knew coming into the year. I mean, he said it on their questionnaire. This is an Omaha caliber team. He did. He did. And, And... and they are. I mean, you know, I, I still, you know, we'll see when it comes down to it if they've got the arms to get back to Omaha. Uh, they certainly have, have been, you talk about consistency. Yeah. You know, LSU's been consistent. UC Irvine hasn't lost, hasn't, hasn't had a hiccup. They've no. won every weekend, including, no. I mean, the, to be where they are right now in the Big West, this is the this best, is a great this is the best baseball conference in the West. West of the Mrs. Yeah. Well, West of the Big 12. Yep, no doubt. And, and, 
and you, you know to to be eight and one in this league, having already played Cal State Fullerton, sweeping Long Beach. I mean, they're they're three games better than anybody else in this league. And I mean, Long Beach State had been playing better. Long Beach State was getting its act together. Yeah, uh, this really is a very been, yeah. young team without a, dis- a discernible star. They do have two good weekend pitchers in Wilk and Thompson. They have some pitching depth, um, but they're still they're definitely it's a rebuilding year. They lost Troy Buckley before last year. They lost a ton of talent. Eleven guys drafted this year. It's a program in transition a little bit, but they're just getting on their footing, and then they see Irvine. I'd love to talk to Mike Weathers and see what he thought of Irvine. And, yeah, right. Uh, the, this is a great league, and Irvine's dominating it right now, and that's why they're number three, and that's why Arizona State drops to number four. North Carolina's still at five, a little bit of a surprise. that They go on the road and kind of blow a series at Florida State, Aaron, and that's really the way to put it. They kind of swept that series at their bullpen and pitched better. I think North Carolina's got some... Some real questions in the bullpen right now. The bullpen is a concern, and, and I I wonder if they're going to keep Matt Harvey in the bullpen and, and hope that he becomes kind of an answer as a power arm guy back there because they haven't really had a, somebody to dominate. And Brian Moran, when he's when he's been he's been very good. Healthy, he, you know, he's been he's been very good. Yeah. Um, but you know, even he, you know, he's as, as good as he is, he doesn't have dominant stuff like right. Matt Harvey does. Talk about convoluted the ACCs. <laughs> A mess. It is a mess. I mean, you know, who's the team to beat in that league right now? I don't know. I mean, I, there's six of them. <laughs> I think it's probably still North Carolina. Uh, you know, but the, the bullpen is a significant question there. And um, we, we we really, you know, we would have liked honestly probably to have hit them a little bit more than this this week. We talked about it. I mean, it, it didn't feel right hitting them just one spot after losing a weekend right. series on the road. But I mean, they did go three and two. They won a, a series against a ranked team in East Carolina. Shut down a good offense. Um, and who do you move up? I mean, you know, Fuller yeah, who team should went be two five. and two. Yeah. You know, none of those teams really had great weeks. Baylor went three and over. two. You know, Georgia's really played. For, they're 11 and four in the Southeastern Conference, but relative to their schedule in the Southeastern Conference, they probably should be even better than that. And they've, they lost a home series. It was granted it was LSU, but that's their biggest yeah. test of the year. The two best pass. teams they played in conference, LSU and Alabama, they, they lost, lost series both series. Two. Absolutely. And you, you know, yeah, sweeping Tennessee is great. you gotta you got to take care of business. You know, sweeping Kentucky's nice, but those teams aren't on the same level. And I... You know, for me, Georgia, I, I liked keeping them kind of where they were. How about Arkansas at 11? We just mentioned Arizona State at 4. How about Arkansas and Arizona State, Aaron, playing a midweek series? Kudos to Arkansas and especially to the fans of Northwestern Arkansas for coming out and amazing numbers and seeing what it sounded like two great baseball games there. And I did a radio show Thursday morning in, in uh, Fayetteville, and I was asked where Arkansas, how far they move up in the rankings. And I said, well, let's see what happens this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and they lose two to uh, Mike Miner, best start of the year for Mike Miner, it appears. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Vanderbilt, huge series win for the for the Commodores. Two great big series wins on the SEC this weekend for South Carolina and Vanderbilt, teams that are kind of on the right. bubble, right? and they needed to have those series wins. And, and Vandy's won two two big series in a row, so I believe they, they beat Ole, was it Ole Miss last week? No, that's not right, but they beat somebody last yeah. week too. And I think that's a, that's a huge series win for Vanderbilt, but uh, you know, kind of a weird week for Arkansas. We wound up just moving them up to 11. What do you make of the Razorbacks? Are they? Do we know more about them now, or almost more confused after this week? I, I think I think John that they're a really good offensive team and a good defensive team that's just okay on the mound. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I thought going into the year. We would have had them higher than twenty two in the preseason if they had more on the mound. I think that's probably fair. Right. I mean, their 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 depth on the mound is not at a level of a a Rice, which has shown depth by still playing well despite injury. Uh, or the depth of a, an Arizona State. Or even LSU. Or an LSU, or North Carolina, certainly, or Fullerton. 
They don't have that level of pitching depth. You know, and, and I think Baylor. after after Dallas Keuchel, who got who got lit up on Friday, but I think you can that toss, happens. You can toss yeah, that, that out. That everybody happens. everybody has a bad game. But after him, I think it, it's just a, a really uncertain rotation. Uh, T.J. Forrest doesn't look like he's the answer on Saturdays. And Drew Smiley is a freshman. He's gotten hit hard a few times this year. I mean, you know, Brett Eibner's got a great arm, but he's not terribly consistent. I mean, he's been good at times in the midweek, but you can, I don't know if, you're, if they're comfortable throwing him on, as a weekend starter yet. I mean, I don't know. The pitching, to me, is very cloudy. Um, so I like this team. I think they're very they, they're competitive. They play hard. They're well-coached. They can hit, and they can, they, can, they can run, and they're athletic. They play good defense. It's just the, the, the pitching concerns me. Yeah. And so that's fair. I think that's uh, very fair. That's we still a, we st- and we still move them up a spot after a two and two week. You know, winning two games against the number one team in the country. Yeah. Uh, compared with Miami's two and two week, for instance, um, you know, I, I like Arkansas's two and two week a little bit more, and I like Arkansas's body work a little bit more. They're in first place still in the SEC West. I think uh, let's let's tip a cap here to 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 Mike Miner also, who's really struggled yeah. this year, but he gets Andrew Jobby back behind the plate. Leading Big off, and, and he goes out, does a complete game, strikes out 11. And you can read more about that in Golden Spike Spotlight this week. Outstanding, outstanding. Uh, little synergy here at Baseball America. We don't usually do that. Uh, it's a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron. I'm John. Aaron, uh, we've also we've been very impressed with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is 10. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the Big 12 this year. Uh, should we talk about the Big 12 or should we talk about the teams that we brought in toward the back of the rankings? Well, I think those two, those two conversations go hand in hand. You're right. You're so right, let's start. We're talking about Oklahoma and Texas. How about uh, Oklahoma, first place in the Big 12? You heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> we Oklahoma, uh, not, not to call them out, but I remember Brett Anderson's email in the preseason, like, how can you rank Oklahoma and not my dad's team at Oklahoma State? And Oklahoma State goes 0-4 this week. I, Oklahoma uh, has played a tough schedule. They haven't lost a weekend series. They're in first place in the best conference in the country. For me this year, the Big 12 is the best conference, and Oklahoma's in first. I think Oklahoma is the most balanced team in that league with Baylor. Oklahoma and Baylor. I think Oklahoma's a little bit more offensive. I, I do still think Baylor's arms might be a little bit better, although, although I agree. Stephen Poirier coming back and, and becoming a solid weekend guy and, and Antoine Hubbard's healthy again. I mean, Oklahoma's got some arms, too. I mean, uh, Richards. A, it's I a mean, good, deep team. It is. Doyle, they have experience. They have some power arms. They have some right. They have some left. That's what's this is a really complete team. It's a complete team, and, and we even debated jumping them up to number five this week. We did because we're very. I mean, we're hey. I think we're both very impressed with their body of work. Uh, it just it just didn't quite make sense to jump them over Texas, which swept had a four and zero week. Um, and Texas is you know give Texas credit. People bagged a lot on their offense this year with good reason. They weren't right, hitting right, but they started to hit a little bit, uh, and they're still pitching well enough to win. I mean, Ruffin and Workman weren't great this week, but. Um, they've got so much pitching depth, and and you know, <laughs> just talking with with Jim Schlossnagel this weekend, um, he saw young uh, t- young men in, in Deshari mm-hmm. uh, last week. They're two outstanding freshmen from Texas. And he said those guys are unbelievable. Yeah, those are weekend guys. Those for, are weekend guys for anybody. Those are weekend guys for ninety eight percent of the country, and uh, they're midweek guys for Texas, and that's why Texas is uh, ranked number nine among other reasons. That's why Texas had been number one at one point this year. But uh, Aaron, the, the the so we we talked about that. That's the top of the Big Twelve. And they're all in our top ten. Baylor seven, Texas nine, OU ten. The next team we have in the top twenty-five is Kansas State, and then we have Kansas. I don't think we've ever ranked both Kansas teams at the same time. What's the name? What is the nickname of Kansas? I don't know what the is it. The Jayhawk State. I don't know. I guess I would guess it is. Uh, It'd be much to the chagrin if you were a Kansas State or Wichita State uh, fan. But uh, Kansas State and Kansas combined have played. 39 games, is my math right, or is it 29 games? 
against the top 25. It's 29 games. I'm sorry. I carried an extra one. Yeah. Against the top 25 this year. 5-7 and seven for Kansas State. 9-8 and eight for Kansas against teams when they were ranked in our top 25, which is just sick. And both those teams are ranked there. And because they've held their own with other top 25 teams. and that's Explain like, to me how Kansas is in the 50s and the, the strength of schedule rating on boys. I, I just don't understand that. But yeah, no offense, boy. I don't get that one either. They, boy, they played a great schedule, and they've beaten teams. They've swept Oklahoma State. Uh, they swept Texas. I mean, Kansas, what I'm talking about. Right, now. right. I mean, they, you know, they went to Arizona State and won one out of three. I mean, that's a, hey, that's a, that's a solid weekend. I, mean, it, I guess the answer to that is that they played North Dakota and Northwestern. But that, see, again, I, I think... And Western Illinois. I just think who you play at the top matters and what you do at the bottom. That, Quality wins me. is what I want to see. Quality series wins, and they've got them. They do have them, and then they have – of and course, the vexing thing is they got swept at A&M. Right. But, um, a, but A&M is still a very good, talented team. They've underachieved. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to kill them for that weekend. For me, here's the thing is they're 7-5 and five in the league, John, and they've already played Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, Arizona and Oklahoma State. And they've played Arizona State, and they've played San Diego State, and they've played Arkansas. I mean – that's a great schedule. So kudos to Richie Price for uh, for Kansas and the way they're playing. And I don't know what the Kansas Kansas State series is called. It doesn't have a catchy name that I know of, like Bedlam. Right. But they ought to come up with something. They ought to. Because this is going to be a great series. And Kansas State, Aaron, um, they just keep doing it. They've been better. They've been more consistent. Yes, we'll put it that way. Yes, they have. And they win their weekend series. And the reason they win their weekend series and they're five and two in series and not three and three like KU is, they have an ace. They have a true ace, and outside of Steven Strasburg, is anybody in the country pitching better than A.J. Morris? I don't think so. I mean, I think you can throw Michael Leake and Josh Spence in that same Mm -hmm. discussion. Great, great point. Great take. Those those, those, those four guys, I think, were clear-cut mid-season All-Americans with Kyle Gibson, a a, a little separation between between them and him for for the next spot. Correct. Uh, And that's our uh, mid-season update, which is uh, on BaseballAmerica.com, which was basically the kind of function of our weekend preview. But how about Kansas State... We were a year early on them. Last year, we thought this was a team yeah, to watch out with. We in the preseason. With Brian Myro and Nate Tenbrink and some of that. What's the Byron, difference? Byron Wiley, yeah. Brian Wiley, I'm sorry. Why is this year Brian Myro is hitting three-hole for Charlotte against Tommy Hansen on Thursday in the, in the International League? That's where that came from. Uh, what's the difference? Why is this year's team, without those veterans in the lineup, performing so much better than last year's team did? I think the biggest reason is two guys in particular have gotten a lot better. Uh, A.J. Morris, I mean, and, and, and Drew Byrie. These are two guys who are veteran guys who've been around and have been talented, and they've been waiting for these guys to, to take off, uh, and they have. And, you know, I, they've, they've kind of made their bullpen work. It's a little bit of a patchwork thing there, but, um, you know, they've gotten good weekend outings from, from Lance Hodge. And, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, I think it's a solid team. I don't think it's spectacular. Right. Um, but they've certainly put themselves in position to make a regional, and Kansas has as well. Uh, and that's pretty impressive in this league to, for both those teams to be 7-5. and five. I'll tell you what, they've also got one of my favorite names and one of the ultimate Brian Strickland Memorial pronunciation names in Kayvon Baramzadeh, yeah, the freshman a, from Arizona. He's made a big impact. He has. He's been very good. He's part of the reason why their midweek is, is very solid. This team, I, I don't think they're going to go away because they pitch. And uh, and they defend, 968 fielding percent. That's right. You want to be over that 970 range. Those are the teams that you usually think in college baseball are, are catching the ball when it's hit to them. But it's, it's just very impressive for me to see both Kansas and Kansas State. Shocking. And then, it's and shocking then, for me. <laughs> and then it's not weak shocking, but it is shocking. Uh, but then how about uh, at number 22, the Zags. Gonzaga. <laughs> we talk a lot about the West Coast Conference on this podcast. We have San Diego and Loyola Marymount at 7-2. Jason Gill at Loyola Marymount continues to move up the Coach of the Year 
uh, poll or rankings or however you want to he's put right, it. He's right in the mix. He is in contention for the job he's done at turning Loyola Marymount around. But Gonzaga, 6-3, and three, tied, basically alone in third place in that league, beats San Diego this weekend. And they we, we taught, you, you pegged it in the fall. We talked about it last year. In our draft coverage, they had a great freshman class coming in, Aaron, and they were able to marry some of their veteran hitters uh, and uh, with some of their freshman arms. and some of the, They've really blended this team together very well. It's impressive. I like this team a lot. They can score runs. They've got power arms. They've got uh, premium defenders. I mean, it's, there's a lot to like. It's, it's a, again, a co- pretty complete team, and I, and I think right now they're in the catbird seat in the <laughs> West Coast Conference because they've, they've – Played three series, and the last two of them were against Pepperdine and San Diego, and they're seven and two, having played having one series against Pepperdine and San Diego. I mean, boy, it, it's it's downhill from here for them. I mean, as far as, as momentum, it uh, is. I can't think of what the fly in the ointment would be for them falling out of the catbird seat. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean they're at Portland, at Santa Clara, but the rest of their conference series are at home to St. Mary's and then at home to Loyola Marymount. And it might all come down to that last weekend, Aaron. And look, but Lola Marymount still has to play San Diego and Pepperdine. So if they're still in the mix that last weekend, I mean, kudos. But, uh, you know, that, that's going to be trickier for them. I think, I think Gonzaga is in better position long term. I think the Zags and, and are. And San Diego, you know, hey, they played Pepperdine and Gonzaga too. So they've got those two weekends out of the way, and they're 7-2. and two, So don't write off San Diego. They're still the team to beat, I think, in this league. Certainly. Oh, no, I don't think anyone's writing off the Toreros. Uh, they still have to go to Loyal Marymount. Uh, and that's that's gonna be obviously that's gonna be a tough one. Uh, they finish up a week early, a weekend early than anybody else in the league, which is odd scheduling. So their their official schedule runs out May twelfth. You kind of wonder if they'll maybe. Yeah, I think they've got that break for fun. exams again over there. Ah, that's when it goes for them. Okay, but that that is uh, it's gonna be interesting to watch. But I was very impressed with Gonzaga winning two out of three this weekend, and obviously we, you were as well. And their, their body, body of work, work is, yeah. is very good. And then Minnesota. And that's another team, John, that's played a tough schedule. I mean, they, they've, they've gone to some good tournaments, and uh, they've beaten some good teams on conference, too. They have. I mean, they've beaten Missouri. They've played Nevada, which is always solid. They've played Notre Dame, which is solid. Creighton, which is really coming around um, and playing better ball in the, in the Missouri Valley. Uh, Washington State, Oklahoma State, Riverside. They've taken on all comers, uh, which is one against Washington this year. You dub. Uh, that, I'm not sure how good UW is this year. Not really. No, Pac-10, not mentioned in today's podcast for a reason. It's uh, this is a battle. This is probably the worst year I've ever seen in the Pac-10. Um, not like I've been around for 30 years or anything like that. But uh, if, if today is Selection Monday, John, it's a two-bid two, league. It's a two-bid league, and uh, we're talking about how bad Conference USA is, and Conference USA is a three-bid league. Right. It's a spectacularly down year in the in the in the, in the Pac-10, and yet I enjoyed watching on CSTV a little. Uh, or I'm sorry, CBS College Sports. Little Brett Mooneyham versus Charles Brewer. Brett Mooneyham is a big dude. He's a big dude. <laughs> and he's throwing the heck out of the ball. And he's he's going to be awfully good for He strength. has got a crazy good breaking ball. But, uh, but then you have a 25-man uh, scholarship limit or whatever, ro- roster limit in the Pac-10. I don't see how Stanford can run uh, Jeff Inman out there as your DH and then pinch hit for him and all that stuff. I, it's just odd. But that, that's, that, that's nine. That's how Mark Marquis uh, likes to roll. Aaron, uh, we did have one podcast uh, – Email the, the podcast uh, at baseballamerica.com. Uh, it's more of a draft question from Joe LeCade, who, of course, uh, you know, loves us. Uh, but he's actually wondering about uh, it's actually more of a pro question, so I really shouldn't, uh, I really shouldn't ask it. Uh, we'll just have to ask it next week. But we do have, uh, we will take your emails at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Um, I'm sorry, Joe. I thought that was a. It says college style on your subject, but it's not really a college question. Um, at least not, not not how I read it anyway. 
Uh, but he did enjoy our mid uh, midseason update, basically. I said that. that was part of the gist of his email. So, uh, anything else from you, Aaron? Or any of the podcasts? I'll do it for me, John. I'm just glad we got this top 25 out of the way because this was a beast this week. It was a beast, and I'll give a shout out to my mom. He never doesn't listen to podcasts, but Konya uh, Pola to my mom. Nakis Konya Pola, Kemegali Kara for my mom's birthday. So, for Aaron, I'm John. Thanks so much for joining us on the Baseball America podcast. We'll see you next Monday. So long, everybody. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.